Hello, I'm Murray Newlands, your host of the How to CEO podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build your second billion dollar company. I'm delighted to be speaking with Leslie Eccles today. We met about 10 years ago when she was just starting her first billion dollar company and I had just moved to the United States. Um, since then, she's built a billion dollar company and now is building another billion dollar company. The world has changed. When you decided to become a CEO, you can either crash and burn or you can get advice from amazing people and you can build an amazing company. And we're here to give you that advice. Leslie, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I'd love to, for you to tell the, the audience more about you. Oh, hi, Murray. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is fun. It has been a long 10 years since we last saw each other. Um, and in those 10 years, uh, I did build uh, FanDuel, the daily fantasy sports company, now the biggest sports betting company in the US. Um, uh, it's been a busy 10 years. Uh, I left there two years ago and i'm now building a new company called relish and relish is a relationship training app which is all about people who value their relationships and want to improve their relationship or maintain their relationship if they're in a good relationship um, and we offer one-to-one -one coaching and customized relationship advice and how do i find that app uh, it's in the App Store and we launched last week. Uh, we actually got App of the Day last month before we'd even launched, which was very exciting. Congratulations. Um, so it's Relish in the App Store or if you want more information, it's hellorelish.com. Excellent. I will be looking that up after the show. So tell me, how do you build a billion dollar company? Well, you know, it's, it, I never really set out as such to build a billion dollar company in, in inverted commas. Um, FanDuel was the result of a pivot from a previous company, um, which uh, you, I probably told you about 10 years ago. It was a prediction market around news stories. And in 2009, we realized that that wasn't really going to be the way towards a successful business. Um, and that was when we pivoted to FanDuel. Um, and really, you know, the number one thing that we focused on was uh, the market. Um, we were based in the UK. We were five Brits in the UK. None of us knew anything about fantasy sports or even American sports. Um, but we realized the size of the marketplace. We realized the passion of the players in the fantasy sports space. And this was back in 2009 when fantasy sports wasn't sexy. Um, nobody wanted to invest in, in us at all. Um, but we knew that there was there'd been no innovation in the space. There was uh, a huge amount of passion and also pain points. Um, and that was why we started, you know, despite the fact that we were a UK company, we, we looked towards America as being a large, uh, potentially untapped market uh, around fantasy sports. Um, and, and we invented an entirely new industry. Uh, the daily version of fantasy sports uh, didn't really exist before, or at least not, uh, not particularly well known. Um, and we, we grew it from the, from the ground up. So you see a big market, you see passion. Um, 
How do you tap into that passion to build a company? Well, look, we were in a position where we didn't, we weren't our target market. We didn't play fantasy sports. So we were forced to talk to customers, shock horror. Um, and that's what we did. We advertised on Craigslist. We found people who were into this funny thing called fantasy sports. And we really got granular with them around their pain points. Um, and, you know, we're doing the same thing with Relish. It's, it's really just understanding who your customers are and making sure to constantly talk to them and understand um, how you can serve their needs better. Okay, so um, how do you, how do you translate that into a product? How do you take that passion and translate that into a product that people use on an ongoing basis? And then how do you take that to market? Well, those are two very big questions. <laughs> um, on the first one, in terms of how do you translate sort of customers' needs and pain points into, into a product, I would say, you know, with, with Relish, our first product, um, you know, you talk about MVP. Our first product was literally text messages out to people. This was last summer where we were basically testing the concept. And... Um, the idea was that little and often is the key to winning in relationships. So, uh, you know, it's not about the big romantic gestures. It's about the little things that you do day in, day out. Taking the garbage out or remembering to buy milk on the way home or whatever it is. It's those little things that are important. Um, so we started with these little daily text messages as an MVP. Um, sent them out to 50 of my friends and got uh, amazing responses from everyone. They loved it. They wanted to keep getting these responses. They felt closer to their partner. Um, so we, next stage, we took that and we built it into an app. Um, and we, uh, you know, make it function more uh, smoothly. Um, and that was, that was kind of our MVP app. Um, we then do regular surveys. Um, you know, with FanDuel, I was asking people uh, constantly around the, the mechanism of the draft. Um, we, our original product was a snake draft, which if you, you know, if you know anything about daily fantasy sports, you'll know how ridiculous an idea that was. Um, and it was, you know, it took us about three or four months to figure out, you know, this is not, this is not the right approach. Um, and, uh, you know, getting scrapping that and, and going back to the, the drawing board was a big decision, but it was a decision that we had to make quickly. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you constantly question yourself that you're doing the right thing and not be afraid to make big sweeping changes at that early stage of the, of the company? And then in terms of how you, how you take something to market, um, I don't think, you know, planning is important, but having, uh, having a grand plan is not the right approach because, you know, what worked for me to grow FanDuel from zero to, uh, you know, 500 employees plus is not going to be the same thing that works for me to grow relish uh, in the same way. 
but the approach that I take will be similar. It will be, um, you know, focused on the focused on the brand and focused on analytically growing uh, the channels that are working and doing less of the ones that aren't. You know, it's don't overthink it. It's not rocket science. So that then comes down to what would you say are the personality traits that you need to build as a founder? What, what do you think it takes to be a founder personality wise? And then what things do you, should you work on? What have you learned along this journey? Um, that's a really interesting question. I think drive is number one. Uh, you need to be driven. Not, I mean, for me personally, I, success is not what drives me it's fear of failure um and that was definitely number one at FanDuel we were all in there in terms of um we had put our entire life savings into this company myself and my husband were in it together if this failed we were really screwed um so it was that fear of failure that kept us moving forward um and I still feel that today I still feel this sense of um I believe in this vision I believe in this product so desperately I am prepared to do what it takes to make this work um, and I think that is that's number one number two I think is the ability to build a team around you and make sure that they share that vision or and are as passionate about you uh, as passionate as you are about building and growing the company um, and not everybody can do that in that you're now building a relationship management tool, um, which is for one-to-one and building your personal relationships. Do you see any relation between that and building a team? Definitely, definitely. You know, the thing that we have built relish around is this idea of small things often. So little things that you do every day. And it's the same thing in the workspace. Uh, you know, the, the little things that you do every day, the way that you interact with the team, um, how do you build a culture which is driven and ambitious and uh, you know, a high performing team without it becoming toxic, like you know, some of the, the companies that are in the press today where the founder has been incredibly ambitious um, and growing the company massively, um, but the culture within the company may not be what uh, is going to work over the long term. Yeah. So, so what are your tips for building that that passionate team who are who are focused on the same goal as you? Particularly as as you said, with with things with a startup and things like Fangio, the actual product may change. Uh, like getting a passionate team to, 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 to believe in one mission and then saying, Hey, by the way, the mission is slightly different over here. Right. Uh, and, but at the same time, uh, many founders who've had su- multiple successful exits, their team comes with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. how do you, how do you have that? How do you build that successful team and yeah. passionate team for the company? Yeah. And how do you get them to believe in you and the next vision that you're working on? Right. And I, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to face time. You know, you need to spend time with the team particularly if it's a new team Um, and transparency is incredibly important. So really helping the team understand what the business goals are and ensuring that everyone's working towards it. So implementing things like OKRs as early as possible, 
when it makes sense to um, and making sure everyone understands their part that they can play in driving towards those goals. Um, and helping them understand that OKRs or, or targets are not something that they're going to be beat up with, um, that it's, it's a tool for us all to use as a, as a business to, to grow together. Um, and, and, you know, that, that, that in itself is an achievement to get everyone aligned with the OKR process. Um, and it is definitely a very powerful tool. Being a CEO is, is a lonely business. Um, how do you, uh, how do you celebrate those? I mean, getting everyone to believe in the OKRs and focus on them it is an achievement. Uh, and yet there's not necessarily an external output. How do you as a CEO uh, keep yourself motivated and, and take those small, small wins? Yeah, it was something that we've, we were really bad at at FanDuel was celebrating successes, even though they were, um, uh, you know, big or small. We were constantly moving on to the next thing and, and not taking the time to really relish the moment for, for excuse the pun. Um, but, you know, this time I'm very much aware of this is the journey. It's not about the destination. It's about enjoying the journey as you're going and making sure that the team is enjoying it with you. Um, and, you know, when we got after the day, you know, I had champagne shipped to the team over in Edinburgh, my engineering teams in Edinburgh. And, you know, I made sure we were all on the company call at the time when the, you know, it's the one hour shipping of alcohol, which is just a fantastic invention. Um, I got that shipped to the team in Edinburgh. And, you know, it's, it's little things like that where you have to remember building a startup 99% of the time is shitty, basically. And that 1% where you have these little moments of, wow, this is fantastic. You have to, you really have to celebrate them. So what do you see as different this time round as opposed to the first time round? Is it, is it, you have more contacts? Is it you have more confidence? Is it you have more backing? Is it you have better relationships with investors? What are the, the differences? Murray, it's like night and day. It is like night and day. First time round, we knew nobody. We'd never started a company before. We didn't know a single VC. We didn't know anyone who had done a startup before. I didn't even know what NFL stood for. <laughs> like my learning curve and all of our learning curves were so intense. It was ridiculous. We chose the hardest route. Uh, you know, a fantasy sports company in 2009 from Edinburgh um, was the most difficult route imaginable. Um, so this time around, you know, I, I, I can hire people easily because they know me. Um, I know lots of VCs already because we pitched pretty much every VC in the Valley for FanDuel. Um, and, you know, the networking is, is so much easier. And, and you've done it before. Like, you just, you just know what works. You know what doesn't work. And um, psychologically, it's a lot easier the second time around as well. So that was one tip that, uh, that I, I tell people, if you're thinking about starting out in the startup ecosystem and you're looking for a, a company to work with and a CEO to work with, try and find a CEO to work with who's had a previous success because everything will be so much more successful for them. 
Um, right. It just it's, it's just, just smoother. It's a it's a lot easier. Right. Even basic things like you know which lawyers you're going to use, you know which accounts you're going to use, you know how to incorporate a company, like things that would have taken a long time to research the first time round, you can do in a matter of days the second time round. And I would say, even if you don't have a successful, even if you're not able to build a billion dollar company with your first startup, it is having big, being a successful entrepreneur is a journey. And so maybe having your first startup, which doesn't, uh, which isn't the success that you hope it will be, will give you all of that education um, along that, along that journey for those thinking about building a company. Right. Exactly. So uh, if you were to, um, having started the second company, uh, what are your key tips for, for starting a startup? Key tips. Um, number one, hire well. Hire people who are infinitely smarter than you are and um, make sure that you can form a high-performing team from, from them. Uh, number two is get the right investors. Uh, this time around, I was very conscious of ensuring that the investors that I brought in not only shared my vision and were excited about the vision um, and really understood the product, um, but also they're genuinely founder friendly. Um, and, the, you know, a lot of VC firms talk the talk, um, but I wanted to find one that would actually walk the walk. Um, and I found that in Patricia Nakash at Trinity Ventures they uh the one thing that that i did uh that really made a difference this time around was doing a lot of due diligence around the investors that i brought on and talking with um portfolio companies um particularly ones that hadn't just been up and to the right because that's when that's when you know someone's true character yep and the stories that I heard about Patricia were phenomenal. One example was um, uh, a woman founder in Patricia's portfolio had sadly had a death um, in the middle of fundraising in her family. And Patricia stepped up to the line and said, I'll take over the fundraising. You go and be with your family and do what you need to do. Wow. And I thought that was fabulous um, for an investor to do that and uh, yeah close the round of funding for you uh, i mean that spoke volumes to me um so that that i think is incredibly important find find the people that will be there when you need them yeah. um whether it's investors or team members right and not to be you know too focused on my new business but it is all about relationships yeah. and you know, making sure that you have great relationships with your team and your investors is what's really important Excellent. Some great advice there. Thank you very much for being on the show and sharing your advice. Um, I look for, I'm going to download the relationship app. Uh, this is my commitment. I'm going to download it, the app. I'm going to take part in it. And I'm hoping to have you back on in a few months time to get an update of where the company is. And I will give you an update of, uh, of being user of the app. Great. And we could all have better relationships. Great. So. You, have, you have a little kid, right? You yeah, I have a wife and a little kid. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, I'm, I'm super happy with my marriage and relationship and with my wife and my kid, but uh, hey, if this can improve it, then um, right. I look forward to that. So Nobody's perfect. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so I'm Murray Newlands. You've been listening to the How To CEO podcast with Leslie Eccles. Uh, thank you for subscribing and I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you.